Father, we thank you for those that were baptized last week. We just ask that you would help them to continue to grow and as they live out their faith, that it would more and more be the reality of their life of becoming like you. Uh, may they be a light that shines in a dark world. We pray that for the children that were here, for the parents. Give them help in that parenting task, which is not easy. Help them to be committed fully to you and that they may raise children who, as we prayed this morning, that wherever the parent's spiritual ceiling is, that that would be the spiritual floor of the children because we all long for our children to go further with you than we ever have, to know you more, to love you more deeply. So may you do that in their lives. Those that we care about in our family, we lift them up. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your generosity in all things, um, for our chance to worship you. And in a minute, as we gather around your word, if you want to speak to us, may we hear and may we leave here with a heart to obey whatever it is you want to say. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, before we get in the Word of God, we are going to spend a little bit of time with Lois Osman and Angela Cathcart. So if you guys could come up and like for service, if you could grab the mic on your way up. I don't know, it was probably a month ago that um, Lois was here to help deliver some food that Never Too Young was doing. And I would come out sometimes and see people that were doing the delivery and chat and ran into Lois and we just started a conversation. And we had been like a month into the, our series on prayer and had just been talking a lot about it and been talking a lot about how through the years even the greatest saints have said that's not an easy discipline to engage in. And she just started telling her, me her story. And when she told me that day, I felt like God sovereignly put her there. I loved the things that she had to say, and I felt like it would be good for all of us to hear from one of our dear sisters, so I have invited Lois up here. So Lois, thanks for coming. Welcome. Yeah, good to have you. So you are a Kansan, you're a Jayhawker, you were born here, where were you, where did you, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Sabetha, Kansas, up close to the Nebraska border, Brown County. Yeah, and probably not a lot of people know this, but you grew up, I mean, your parents were missionaries. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, um, my parents were missionaries. Dad felt called to the mission field when I was pretty young. There, we had six kids in our family, but uh, it took mom a little longer to surrender because she was worried about the kids, but she did. And um, <clears throat> so when I was about three, we went into missionary training, and four, we went to Costa Rica. Uh, Dad did a year of language school. And then when I was about five, we went to Panama to the field. Yeah, and in Panama, who was he working with? What was his ministry there? He was working with the Guaymi Indian group. And uh, his main purpose, he felt, was to translate the Bible into their language. And also, of course, to evangelize. And to, uh, once uh, men be people became believers, to hold small Bible schools where they could come and learn, you know, about the Bible and how to be preachers themselves to their own people. Yeah, and you were on the border pretty close to Costa Rica, is that yeah, right? Yeah, pretty close to Costa Rica. And we didn't talk about this first service, but you said that those, they, they lived in the mountains, is it right? They were a Right, mountain. the Guaymi people are a mountainous people. They live scattered across the mountains. They don't live in villages or groups. Uh, they live in small family groups just scattered across the mountains of Panama. Yeah. 
And I even, when we talked this week outside, I asked you some questions about the impact you saw. That's for another day, but it was cool even hearing you talk about ways you saw God work um, in that people group. So you, five years old when you got there to Panama, right? So grew up as an MK. How old were you when your family left that field? Or when you left, I'm sorry, your family stayed, right? Yeah, my family stayed. Well, my mom and dad stayed. Uh, I left when I was almost 17 come back to the States, finish high school, and yeah. Yeah, and then see what God had for you yeah. beyond that. Yeah. I mean, so from 5 to 17, you're on that mission field. I mean, that's a very formative time of your life, right? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, right. so pretty huge. So came back, you did the high school thing, and then jumped into life on your own. What? Tell me what, what kind of came next. Okay, so after high school, I was pretty lost, didn't know what to do because my parents were in Panama, and I didn't want to go back there. And so I went to Bible school. It's a New Tribes Bible school. And there I felt God calling me to the mission field. And I also met my husband, Joe, there. And he had already felt the call of God on his life before we met. He was a pilot. So we ended up in the Philippines when Angela was just a year old on the trip over. <laughs> and we ended up in the Philippines uh, and he was a bush pilot. Yeah. And ended up meeting Barb and Casey Ryder, who are usually sitting back here, yep. right? First service, I think. I'm not, I don't have everybody's service memorized what they go to, but usually, <laughs> yeah, so usually. Barb and Casey, who we supported. But you also met another missionary family there that probably some of us have heard about. Yeah, we met the Burnhams there, too. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, parents of Martin. The parents of Martin. And yeah. Gracia, who... Yeah, Martin was in high school at the time. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. And they ended up being the ones that got kidnapped and... Yeah, Martin did. Martin lost his life right. and all of that. So, and I assume Gracia is still in Wichita. Have you... I, I, I think she is. She has a ministry. She goes around and speaks in churches and yeah. stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah, grew up on the mission field, ended up getting married, serving yourself on the mission field, came home from that you know, kind of several things, but ended up being a Pori in 76, it sounded like. Yep. Yeah. Right. Involved in church with some of the people who were the founders of 12. I mean, some of that early group, yeah, right? some of the early group. And then yeah. ended up down in Wellington and, and back in Kansas. So I kind of want to talk about, when we talked the other day, so, okay, here's Lois, missionary kid, right? Grew up on the mission field. And this is time for the drink. By the way, in case you're wondering, why is Angela up here? Angela is just the water bottle holder. That's all she is. Um, it's like the NFL. She comes in after a few plays, and she did. No, this is Angela, who's her daughter, if you didn't catch. And Angela's going to actually talk about something in a minute. But, Angela, I appreciate you being willing to do that. I was kind of wondering, where's my water bottle guy? You know, it should be like the NFL, like halfway through, somebody squeezes some water in my mouth. Um, if anybody wants to sign up for that, just let me know. Uh, just kidding. So, a um, couple of things that really were formative. So, Okay, grew up a missionary kid, right? Most of her formative years. Was on the mission field as a missionary. I mean, if anybody has the most awesome prayer life in the world throughout her whole life, it's going to be her, right? If there is a super saint who's got prayer all figured out, all together, I mean, hours and hours a day on her knees, it's Lois, right? Because we're superheroes. If we're in ministry, we just have it all figured out, right? That's what you pay me for. You pay me to pray 20 hours a week, right? And it's just so easy, and we just do it. 
Was that the case for you, Lois? Not the case at all. <laughs> yeah. Do, do I dare tell them what I thought when we were raising yeah, money? Yeah, <laughs> we missed that first service, and it's so funny. Okay, I don't know. Okay. I think this crowd says, what, yeah, tell us. That was good. So we were a young couple getting ready to go to the field, and of course you have to raise your money. Our mission didn't pay us, so we went around and talked to churches, and we always asked, you know, shared our need, but we always said, no, the most important thing is that you pray for us, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, not really. Most important thing is that we get some money so we can go. <laughs> yeah, most missionaries won't tell you that, but I bet most of them have thought it at one time or another. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I appreciate that. So there were a couple of things that were very formative in moving you to, to prayer really becoming important to you. Um, one of them was related to your father. One was related to church in Wellington. What about your father? Yeah, my dad bought a, a chronological Bible, and I had read through the Bible a couple times, and to say I did, I mean, I was a missionary, I should have read through the whole Bible, right? So I did, but to be honest, especially getting into the prophets in the Old Testament, it was just a lot of words to read and get through, because I didn't know who those people were talking to, I didn't know what they were talking about, <laughs> I couldn't understand any of it. Uh, but this chronological Bible really opened my eyes, and one of the main things it did was that I felt like I saw God for who he was more clearly. Uh, I felt like it, it just opened my understanding of who God is. Yeah, and by the way, if you've never read a chronological Bible, it really is very helpful and eye-opening if you want a recommendation. Let me know and I can recommend one. So that really helped because it made the Bible come more alive. Because especially the Old Testament, instead of it piecemeal like it was chronological. And it helped me know God better. Yeah, and because, it helped you know Him. You know, and that started changing my relationship to God. When you know somebody better, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, it changes yeah. your relationship. And then you, this Wellington church experience, what, what about that yeah, influenced so, you? So, yeah, I'd gone to church all my life, of course, and gone to all the prayer meetings and everything, and, and they always pretty much follow a, a, a pattern, and uh, what, you know, people give prayer requests, and everybody writes them down, and you break up into small groups, and you all pray over the prayer request, <clears throat> and, and in this church, when I went, they gave the prayer request, we wrote, I wrote them down, I noticed nobody else wrote down prayer requests, and I was so I asked one of the ladies, I said, so why didn't anybody else write down prayer requests? And she said, well, when we pray, we want to really be listening to God and having him direct how we pray and who we pray for and what we pray. You know, we do share our requests, but we want God to lead our prayer time. And then the pastor also talked fairly often about his prayer life and how prayer wasn't just coming to God with a list of things we wanted him to do. But it was communicating with him, and that part of communication is listening. If you have a friend and you just do all the talking, you never really get to know them, you know. And so I, I was like, I don't know what that looks like, but that's good. But I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how you go about that. Yeah. So that kind of opened up a new way of looking at prayer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in all of this, I mean, time frame, but you had mentioned you had said to me the other day that you had prayed so many empty prayers and you were like, no more. Like, could you say a little bit about that? 
Yeah, and that, that has come more recently as God has helped me grow and grow more in prayer as that, that song came out about, I don't want to say another empty prayer. I don't want to act like I don't care. And the song actually is about putting works, you know, don't just pray for somebody, but actually help them. But God spoke to my heart with the phrase, I don't want to say another empty prayer, because I felt like so much of my life, I had said a lot of empty prayers. I had prayed in the situations where you're supposed to pray. I could pray out loud. I could, you know, but so many of my prayers were empty prayers. They weren't really talking to God. Yeah. So you ended up making kind of a commitment, an initial simple, pretty simple commitment that, was, yeah. that really tra helped. So like I said, I couldn't quite figure out how this worked, listening to God during prayer time. And so somehow I just decided, well, I'm going to have to start someplace. So I just said, I'm going to make a commitment to kneel beside my bed every morning for 15 minutes. I figured I, there's no way I could say stuff for 15 minutes, but I thought, well, it doesn't matter. I need to listen to God anyway. So uh, so I started doing that, and my main prayer, really heartfelt prayer to God at that time was, teach me to worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus told the woman at the well that a time would come when people would worship God in spirit and in truth. And I felt like that wasn't a part of my life yet. And I said, God, I want to worship you the way you want to be worshipped. Yeah. And you would say that was really the beginning of you really beginning to grow into prayer right. and yeah, really experiencing was. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting when you mentioned that because very early in the prayer series, one of my challenges was something I had found profound in my own life was the commitment to kneeling prayer before phone in the morning. Before you get your phone, before you check news, the first thing you do is just kneel in prayer and talk to God. So really similar. Now, so when this is really happening and your prayer life is getting on track, you were how old at that time? In your early... I was in my early 60s, and that's not 1960s. That's, in, <laughs> that's my age. <laughs> early 60s. And I mean, well, I mean, a prayer warrior, right? I mean, you're... I mean, grow up in the mission field, you were a missionary, going to church, you're faithful, you go to prayer meetings, in Bible studies, but really prayer didn't really become essential to you, you felt like, till the early 60s. And not to shame you in any way. I think just that, I think a lot of us are just there like, ah, oh, that thing has been so hard for me to, to lean into. What, any thoughts on that? Just Well, I would just encourage you to just set aside some time and don't fill it with a lot of other things and listen to God and ask him to teach you what he wants you to know and how he wants, you know, and he will. It, it'll take time, but he will. Yep. At least it'll take time for me. Maybe I'm a dull student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about uh, some advice? You got some notes the other day. What, the first thing you said, I said, what would some, you said, just get started. You yeah. felt like that commitment to the 15 minutes kneeling every morning and that request to teach me to pray in spirit and truth, for you that was big. What are some other pieces of advice you would offer? Uh, when, you, when I pray, I feel like it's important that I um, start with praise and thanksgiving 
one of my, probably my life verses, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God. And I feel like if I turn my eyes on God and I praise him for who he is and thank him for what he is doing and what he has promised to do in my life, it will greatly influence my prayers and what I actually pray for. Yep. What other, any other things? Um, yeah. Um, oh, praying scripture. And this is a more recent thing that God is helping me learn. And that is <clears throat> when I'm reading my Bible before I start praying, if the, if the passage kind of lends itself to it, to uh, turn that passage into a prayer to God, just read through it slowly and, and talk, you know, instead of saying, well, God has done this for us and this for us. It's like, God, you did this for me. God, thank you that you did this for me, you know, and you have promised me this. And um, that and also uh, I joined the Monday morning ladies prayer group and just meeting with other people to pray and and learning from them and and sharing with them has been real helpful, meaningful. Yeah. Just a couple last things as we talked the other day. It wasn't a fast process. It wasn't when you made that commitment, just boom, suddenly you're a prayer warrior, right? No. It just, it. Yeah, and I'm still growing. Yeah, still growing. Yep. <laughs> Ups and downs, still room to grow. Again, a famous pastor once said, we're all beginners in prayer. I, I know mm -hmm. I feel that way. And then the last thing you mentioned that I thought was really good is you said, don't be legalistic about yeah. this. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty important because I think if Satan can't get us on one side, he wants to push us over on the other side. So he's, um, you know, you get to leaning against Satan, one way, okay, he's pushing, and then he'll just go around the other side and knock you over. Uh, and I think sometimes if, okay, so we do start praying, and then we start feeling like, well, if I miss it today, then my day's going to be horrible. And actually, I heard that a lot growing up. You know, people, oh, I can't miss my devotion time because... Well, you're going to yeah. get a flat tire that yeah, day and stub your toe. Tire. My whole day's going to go bad, and I'm thinking, God isn't like he's a good father, and we wouldn't do that to our kids. If they messed up first thing in the morning, would we get be after them all day? Would they be in the doghouse all day long, like nothing they could do would be right? No. You know, we correct them, we forgive, and... And you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mentioned first service. I was. I am friends with a Korean student, and I met him one day at school, and he was bloodied and had scabs and stuff. And I said, "Man, what happened?" And he said, "Well, I was riding to school, and I hit something, and I went off the front of my bike." And he said, "You know, I didn't have my quiet time this morning, and that was God's punishment." I mean, there's a lot of people that really think that way, right? But yeah. that's not what our God is like at all. Right. No, yeah. he isn't. He's a, he's a gracious God and full of mercy. Yeah. Abounding in love. Yes. I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. word. So, okay. I, I just think your story, it encouraged me. I thought it was important for me here. I really wanted everybody to here to hear it because, it, again, it can be like, you know, this thing like, why can I not get this thing going? And I think just your story is very encouraging, and I appreciate well, thank you. your time. You know, the Bible says we give praise to God, but Paul in Colossians says we give honor to those who serve well. So can we give, can we show Lois some honor for coming up here today? I appreciate it.
And Angela is here for a reason. Angela wants to share an, a prayer opportunity for us. So, Angela? Yeah, so I um, found it a little bit hard to make the transition because I really just enjoyed listening to what mom had to say and makes me want to go home and pray. So, um, But anyway, I do have an announcement to make, and it kind of ties into what she was talking about, and that is we're going to do a, um, an event here in Emporia that's 24 hours of worship and prayer. Um, and we have a short little video. I think, why don't we go ahead and show the video now, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end, if that's okay. I'm Melissa McCrory, and I wanted to share with you something exciting that's coming up to Emporia. So just a few weeks ago, I learned from a friend about Awaken the Dawn. And if you haven't heard of that, it's a movement across the nation of America to hold 24-hour sessions of worship and prayer. And so this event is going to be coming to Emporia on July 25th and 24th and 25th, 8 p.m. the 24th until 8 p.m. the 25th. The venue is going to be TBA. We don't know exactly where it's going to be yet, but we'll keep that information coming. Right now, if you would like to be involved, we are signing up people for slots either to do music or prayer or read scripture. Um, it can be a 15-minute slot, a 30-minute slot, or an hour slot. If you want to do more than an hour, that would be great, too. we got 24 hours to fill. So it's going to be an amazing time exalting the name of Jesus, glorifying him, interceding for our city, our community, our region, and uh, we'd love to have you there and participate. So you can private message or you can comment, and we will get in touch and get this set up. Um, and stay tuned for more information on the details. So God bless you all. Yeah, so the vision for this is really, um, it's not for entertainment or a concert or to come have a performance. It really is just to take 24 hours and focus on Jesus and give him the worship that he is due, really, to come and to worship him. And um, I loved what you said about starting prayer with, like, thanksgiving and, and praise. And I, and I find it really powerful to combine worship and prayer, probably for that reason. Because as you worship and focus on who God is and then lead into prayer, um, it is a really powerful combination. And so, so yeah, we're going to have 24 hours. Some of those hours will be um, full, filled with, like, live worship. We have some teams going to come and do some live worship. We also have prayer stations we're going to set up, um, and that'll be open the whole 24 hours. You can come, and uh, the prayer stations you would just go through at your own leisure, spend as much time at each one as you want to, um, to pray in different ways and for different things for our nation or just individually. Um, also, I forgot to mention this first service, but we're hoping to have Saturday morning some, some more like corporate organized prayer while we're maybe get into small groups and pray for certain topics. So if that's something that appeals to you, definitely come out uh, Saturday morning. We do have a Facebook page. It's called Awaken the Dawn Emporia. Um, and that's actually the videos from the Facebook page. If you want to go there, there are more information. We're going to hopefully put the schedule on there. We do have a location now. It'll be at the press room uh, downtown, the corner of 6th and uh, Merchant there. And it starts... 8 p.m. this coming Friday, and it'll go till 8 p.m. on Saturday. We'll have it open the whole time. You can stop in any time. If there's a specific hour you'd like to be there and participate, we do have a sign-up sheet on the Facebook page, and to sign up would just help us make sure we don't get too many people at one time because of coronavirus. We do need to limit the number of people in there. Um, 
We will also, uh, Lord willing, have it broadcast on a short distance radio frequency, radio frequency, so you could come and pull up in one of the parking spots. If you don't want to come inside, if you'd prefer to stay um, more distant, you can tune your radio to that, worship along, spend some time in prayer. And then also during the day, we'll have the sound through speakers out in the little park area. If you're familiar with that area, there's a little cement park right next door. Um, there's benches there. You could come spend time in the park. So, so there's ways you can participate if, if you're not comfortable being in a you know, room with multiple people. Also, you asked for service about if you're not even in town. Um, we are hoping to live stream on Facebook some of it. Probably not the whole 24 hours, but maybe the times that we have live worship there. You can put that on Facebook. If I missed anything or not. I don't <laughs> think so. You did mention other churches, probably. Yeah, yeah, this is a multi-church event. So one of, the, one of the goals is to bring the body of Christ in Emporia together to worship and pray. Yep. Yeah, so. All about the kingdom, so... Okay, very good. Can we show honor some Angela some honor by coming up and doing that too? Good job, Mom. She did a good job, didn't she? Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. So can we can we just one more time let them know we appreciate them coming up? Yep. Thanks, guys. Great job. All right. We want to spend a little bit of time on the Word of God. If you would open your Bible or turn in your phone to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. We want to get talk a little bit about more about prayer. So I, I really encourage you to to find a place or a time that you could get over and be a part of that. A um, couple of things before I jump into Romans eight. Jamie's last Sunday is going to be July thirty first, and so just want to thank her for her seven years of service. And you know you can a lot of us know Jamie. Just give her a pat on the back and a. Uh, job well done. It's been great working with her. I really feel like Lisa, her, and Jordan have shepherded me for this first year and a half. Those three have been really important. I, Jamie, all along, I felt like was the glue of the staff. And if you know her at all, which a lot of us do, she embodies Jesus in so many ways. Um, she feels like God's moving her on to a new season, a new thing in her life related to her children and even some other things. So we want to you know, be in prayer for her for that um, this week we are wrapping up the series in the boiler room. I think we do have the image. It's the last time you'll see that for a little while. But um, please let us continue to strive to grow in this, this grace and this, this discipline of prayer. Let's continue like we were challenged from Lois to, to just do a little bit more to make it a reality of our life. I just loved her story. Um, still challenge you. We still have the prayer calendar up. You know, get online, the boiler room. Pick an hour to pray each week. And again, you don't have to pray the whole hour. If you just get on at that time every week and just for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you just you listen to God, you pray for what He lays in your heart. And if you would pray for the church, we really would appreciate that. I know I do every Tuesday at 8. That's my time. Um, one other thing, Jason, Jordan, and Brent are going to be helping me. Um, they're going to be teaching, helping teach through the book of Titus over the next two week, three weeks. So pretty excited to that. How about that? So, would you stand with me? I want to read from Romans chapter 8. I'm reading from the NIV, and I'm going to read verses 22 to 28. And here's what Paul says. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first, first fruits of the Spirit, 
we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And this is the word of the Lord. So you may be seated. So I have a question for you before I jump into this text. Have you ever, ever found yourself in a situation where you've been asked or compelled to pray for someone or for something, and truth be told, you had no clue what to pray? Ever been there? I have a lot. And as we're going to see, so has Paul. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at this Romans 8, and I want to talk about specifically verses 26 to 28, because there's two really important things I learned from this text, that there is one thing that we do not know, and there is one thing that we do know. One thing that we do not know, and one thing that we do know, and it's all related to prayer. So first is the one thing that we do not know. In verse 26, it starts out, Paul says, in the same way. And if I were doing a deeper study on this, I would talk about that and what he's talking about when he says that, but I, let's just set that phrase aside and move on if you don't mind. In the same way, he says this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what is our weakness? What does Paul say is our weakness? We do not know what we ought to pray for. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Now, he doesn't mean we never know what we ought to pray for, because there's plenty of times when I pray for things, and I think I can pretty articulately, it's pretty clear what I need to be praying for that would be in alignment with God and His Word. Um, but there are plenty of times when I don't know what to pray for, where I have no idea what to ask for, times where my head is bowed in sorrow, grief, and there are no words to say. We've all been there, right? Those times when words run out, and even inwardly we ask, Lord, I don't even know what to pray. Because of our failure, we just don't understand His purposes, His plans. We don't know the beginning from the end. So often, the older I get, the more I feel like I really don't know what is best in this situation. God, I don't know what to pray. And we struggle to pray at that time. And it's in this moment, in that struggle, in that weakness of not knowing, that the Spirit comes along to offer His help because we're told that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I love it because this is who He is. This is so true to His nature. In John 14, John 15, and John 16, Jesus refers to the Spirit as the helper. In Greek, the para, parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help. This is so much His character. Um, 
and I'm going to have to ask your forgiveness. I'm going to mention the Greek a bit this morning because I was so intrigued by several things in it. So I'm, going to, I'm really going to geek out. I'm going to nerd out on this if you'll be patient. Somebody came to me afterwards and said, Garen, what you should say is you Greeked out. So I'm going to Greek out a little bit. But that word help, I mean, if just to simply, it means to bear a burden along with, to lend a helping hand, to help carry a load. That's pretty simple, right? It's the same Greek word that's used in the Martha and Mary story of Luke 10, and specifically in verse 40, when Mary's at the feet of Jesus and Martha wants her help and she won't come, and she says, Jesus, would you please tell my sister to come and help me, to come work alongside of me, to help me carry the load of dinner or whatever else that she was doing. This word in Greek is so fascinating because it's got the, the normal verb and then it's got two prepositions on the front, which in Greek makes it a very powerful word. The, the main word is lambano, which means to take up, to take something up. It starts with the word sun, which in Greek means together with, so it's to take up with somebody, to take up with. And then the, there's, it's sun anti lambano, and the anto means to be face to face. So it's to take up with somebody something facing them. A.T. Robertson, a famous scholar, said this, the Holy Spirit lays hold of our weakness along with us, and he carries his part of the burden facing us as if two men were carrying a log, one at each end. Isn't that a cool picture? It's like I need to pick up a log, and I can, I can pick up my end, but I can't get the whole thing up because it's too heavy. And somebody comes along and facing me picks up the other end, and then they help me, and we work together. So he helps us in that way. So how does he help us? Well, the, the text is clear because it says the Spirit himself, he himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So at that very point, that very moment when to me human vocabulary is insufficient, the Spirit himself steps in to carry the load. He steps it up. He comes alongside of me. He takes up the other end of the long log, so to speak, to help carry it. He picks up my prayer or lack of prayer, and he intercedes on my behalf. And to me, this is really powerful because it's not just him interceding, but if you read all of Romans 8, this is a double intercession happening because we are told here that the Spirit who indwells me is interceding for me. And in verse 34, we find out that Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, is also interceding for me. So at those moments where I don't know how to pray, I have got the Spirit and I have Jesus who are interceding for me. I think that's very encouraging and very powerful. And so we have the Spirit interceding within us. We have, the, we have Jesus interceding from up by the throne of the Father. And as we're going to see in a minute, the Spirit of God effectively prays to the Father on our behalf. And we'll get to that in a second. We're told that He prays for us with wordless groans. The New English Bible translates it inarticulate groans. Prayers so deep that even for the Spirit, they can't be expressed in words. That's pretty deep, isn't it? To me, that's amazing that his prayers for me are so deep that to, 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 even for him there is groans. That is, I think, I find that so profound. And what I find even more profound is the whole context of Romans 8, this part of Romans 8, is about suffering and the suffering we experience in the world as it is right now. And we're told in verse 22 that all of creation groans in this suffering. In verse 23, that we groan 
because of this suffering. And then we find out in verse 26 that the Spirit Himself groans with us. He does not stand apart from the pain in the world and the pain in us. He does not remain aloof from the plight and my own experience of broken the world, but He stands beside me and He experiences that pain with me. He dwells right in the middle of the pain with me. He's standing before the Father with our pain and our puzzles heavy on His heart. You know, we know that of Jesus, that Jesus came into the world and He experienced our suffering. In Luke, we see that. With Lazarus, we, we read it in Hebrews 2 and 4. But did you know that the Holy Spirit also comes alongside and experiences your pain with you? The world is groaning. We're groaning. I'm groaning. And God, Father, Son, and Spirit groan with us. The Spirit groaning with me, in me, and for me. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful to know? So the question I had is, if they're wordless groans, then how can we be sure the Father hears His prayer on our behalf? And we can be sure for two reasons. And they're both found in verse 27. So first, in verse 27, Paul wrote this, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. In Greek, it literally says, the searcher of our hearts. It's calling God the searcher of our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Jeremiah 17, 10 God says this, I, the Lord, search the heart and I examine the mind. In 1 Kings 8.39, we are told that you alone, God, know every human heart. So the one who searches and knows your heart, the one who searches and knows my heart, every heart, he is the same one who knows the mind of the Spirit. One commentator had this to say that I thought was helpful. Um, He said, if God knows what's in the minds of created beings who are qualitatively different from Him and relatively independent of Him, then surely He knows what is in the mind of the Spirit Himself who is qualitatively equal with Him and one in nature with Him. So if He can know my heart, of course He knows the heart of the Spirit. So the Father understands totally what the Spirit's saying He understands the Spirit's groans, even if we do not, and even if they're imperceptible from us. The Spirit is fully known by the Father. I find it interesting that it says that this God who searches every human heart, that He knows the mind of the Spirit. Um, That word, the mind, is is pretty interesting. It's in the Greek, it's the word for where we get our English word phrenology, like the study of, I don't know what's the study of, it has something to do with brain like people think your brain affects your future, I'm not sure. But we get that word from that. And it, so it's not referring really so much to thinking. Um, what that word in the Greek refers to is more the thought patterns of the mind or the way somebody thinks. Um, it's almost like a married couple. The longer you're married, you just start learning the way that they think. And that's what it's saying is that this father who searches all of our, all of our hearts that he knows the way, the patterns of the thinking of the Spirit. And that leads to the final phrase of verse 27. And back to our, that question I had, how can we be sure the Father hears his prayers on our behalf? Well, we can be sure he hears our prayers not only because he knows the mind of the Spirit, but because it says, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In the Greek, that phrase, in accordance with the will of God, is actually at the front of, 
of that whole section. Um, and that's a way in Greek to put the emphasis upon that. So it could read this way. In accordance with the will of God, for that's the way of the Spirit's thinking. That's His mind. That's His pattern of thinking. In accordance with the will of God, the Spirit intercedes for God's people. You see, there's this perfect accord between Spirit and Father. And because the Spirit is one with the Father, He prays for believers in accordance with the will of God. He takes our prayers the things that we don't even know what to pray for, and he transforms them so they are in accord with his will. And he does not ask the Father for what we think we need, because again, half the time, I don't really know what I need. But what he does is he prays for what we really need. So, there's one thing we all know, and I think deep in our hearts, experientially, we know this. We do not know how we ought to pray. Would you not agree with that? This is the one thing we all do not know. We do not know how we ought to pray. I really like how the message translates uh, this verse. He says, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us. And because of this truth that we don't know how we ought to pray, Oswald Chambers, this was a prayer that he regularly prayed. O Lord, explore down to the deepest springs of my spirit, where the spirit maketh intercession for us, and read the prayers I cannot utter, and read the prayers that I cannot utter. And this intercession of the spirit is marked by two things, we're told. He intercedes with us, first with wordless groans, secondly, in accordance with the word, with the will of God. So what more could you ask for? So, the one thing we do not know, what we ought to pray for. And then there's one thing that we do know, and that's in verse 28. And here's what Paul says we know. And we know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. I love this verse in the New American Standard Bible. It was my first Bible and it's how I memorized it, which is this. We know, we know that God causes all things to work for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God causes all things to work for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We know this. We know this with certainty. And this really has been a theme, I think, for the past three weeks, really this whole series on prayer that we live with this unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our good, bar none, bar none. He is a good, good father, and that's what good fathers do, right? When we can't see his hand, we can always trust his heart. So the one thing that we don't know is what? We don't know how we ought to pray, and I feel that way so much. But even in the midst of me not always knowing what to pray for, there is something I can know. One, I know that the Holy Spirit, that the Father knows his mind, that he's interceding on my behalf with wordless groans according to the will of the Father. I know that. But the thing I can stand on that I don't know how to pray as I should, that I can stand on the fact that I know that God will take everything in my life and he'll work it for my good. In the midst of my not knowing how to pray, that's the thing that I stand on so much. 
when I pray for somebody and I don't know how to pray for them or when I'm with them and I pray. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to pray. I always know that I can end with this, that Lord, the thing I know is that you will cause all things to work for good. I trust that. William Cowper wrote a very famous hymn about this and here are his words. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and he works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings upon your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind belief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Now that God's people say, Amen. So we'd like to end in a time of worship, of acknowledging this reality that we do know that in all things that God can be trusted and we can place our lives upon him. So would you stand with us for this last song? We're kind of done with the series, but let's not stop striving to become people of prayer and becoming a church of prayer, all right? Lois, I think, had a great story. Let us take that heed of that example. So, Father, thank you for this reality that through the storm, that in the midst of it all, even when we don't know how to pray half the time, if even more than that, that we know that your Spirit lives inside of us, that he intercedes for us, that he intercedes in wordless groans in accordance with your will. We thank you for that reality and that you know his mind and you hear his intercession for us. And we thank you for the fact that the thing that we do know is this, that you cause all things to work for good for us. So help us to live in both of these realities, to continue to in prayer, even when we don't know what to say, knowing that in all things you're working it for our good. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who died for us. Amen. And you are sent.